Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Sporting 160 in English. This one will be podcast number 36. And today we have a great panel. So let me start by introducing our guest today, uh, Kevin Fernandes, all the way from the UK. How are you doing, Kevin? All good. Um, sporting has been hitting a few problems recently. A lot of drama once again. But yeah, all good here. Looking forward to the game against Sporting News. Yeah, me too. And uh, another um, <clears throat> another member of our panel, from also from the UK, Patrick. How are you doing, Patrick? Yeah, I'm good. Um, sporting up, but yeah, I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that where, wherever sporting is concerned. And from Philadelphia, USA, uh, our friend Chris. Chris, how are you doing, Chris? Doing all right. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, it's been uh, about a week and a half since the last pod, so we got we got a lot to catch up on. It's been a wild week, indeed. So let's uh, beginning uh, begin with the Villarreal Sporting, which that game uh, ended up in a tie one one, and because of that result, we were eliminated. And uh, the start of the lineup for Sporting was Salan Goli. Uh, we had Kuates, Thiago Ilori, Christian Borja. Then we had uh, Stefan Ritovsky. Bruno Fernandes, Gudelci, Weddell, Jefferson, Bajdost, and Diaby. So, Patrick, I'm going to let you go first. What do you think about the game? Um, in terms of performance and and what you can expect, I think we played pretty well uh, for for large periods of that game. Um, we got the goal that we wanted, which we needed um, in the first half through Bruno Fernandes, and I think it was deserved. We played. Well, up until that point, and uh, you know, we, we we really we went there with a game plan, and we were executing it uh, pretty well. Um, but obviously, in the second half, the game turned on its head um, from what was, uh, you know, a terrible performance uh, by by the referees. The officiating was very poor. There was fouls on Villarreal side that should have been given and even punished further with cards that weren't. Uh, whereas on the other hand, Sporting simply were getting uh, the opposite end of that luck. We we got the cards in and, and soon enough we saw the situation that we had with Jefferson, which was um, him getting two bookings. The, the, the second one definitely, you know, it just felt, just seemed like a normal, um, something that happens after a challenge. He just Jefferson was challenged and if anything, the... the the foul should have been given to Sportings, but you know Jefferson lands on the Villarreal player, and the referee sees it another way, which was uh, utterly bizarre. So we lose a player there, um, which, in my opinion, and perhaps in the opinion of everyone, we shouldn't have. Um, and the game changes from there. You know, the game plan um, really becomes compromised, and Sporting found it more difficult from then on. They got their ball players into the game. Villarreal did. With the likes of Cazorla and and uh, Ibora, um, and and it was just it just it just became more and more difficult for Sporting um, to chase uh, Villarreal and, and shut uh, shut down the, the the avenues for passing. Um, we didn't help ourselves either. We we, we stuck um, with Bastos up top, which, as we all know, he's a fantastic goal scorer, but he's not the type of striker that's going to close. Um, he's going to close defenders down and and run up and down the pitch, um, like we see many pressing forwards nowadays, like Diego Costa and whatnot. 
Um, Tiquinho Suarez at Porto is a good example uh, for people to watch Portuguese league. You know, he's not that kind of industrious striker. So it, rather than playing with 10 men, it, to, to me, it felt like Sporting were actually playing with nine men. Um, so that was um, Kaiser's fault there. And I just, you, you just wonder, don't you, whether had Kaiser taken off perhaps Dost in retaliation of that red card and decided to prioritise shape, perhaps get a runner on like Rafinha on the wings, um, keep the midfield compact and the defence the same. Perhaps we could have come away with a, a different kind of result and maybe scored on the counter and, and killed the game off uh, in a different way. But we didn't do that. Um, and in my opinion, we paid the price for it. So if if, we, if we're to look for points to blame in this game, I think obviously we were ultimately done by the the poor refereeing um, that was on show, which, which, which took us down to 10 men, but also... Uh, we didn't react as well as we could after the red card and, and suffered um, as a consequence. So, um, decent performance, decent effort, um, but obviously things could have gone a lot better than they did. Well, well said, well said. I agree with most of uh, what you said. Uh, Kevin, uh, why don't you go next? Um, can't really say much after Jefferson's red card, which is completely his fault, really. Um, you can blame the referee, but Jefferson did what he did. And uh, Kaiser, from the start, he did some questionable decisions on his half. I mean, keeping Diaby in when Rafinha is clearly a better creative threat is probably not the best decision. But I can see why he did it for the counter-attack. But then keeping Buzz Dost when we weren't really getting the ball to him wasn't really right. And it took until the 83rd minute or the 73rd minute for Felipe to come in. So some some questions have to be asked of Kaiser. Jefferson shouldn't really have started the game with Pinto on the bench. If he really needed to stick to the three at the back, could have had Coachi, Lodi and Pinto with Borja in his natural position. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, what we can say was that the midfield had a decent game. They held it together. And 1-1 uh, was a good result in the end, but it, we needed to push nearer to the end because it's a Europa League tie. So leaving the substitutions until the 73rd minute, we really need to push forward and leaving one just not done when we have 10 men and we know the players will be tired. Just didn't seem like the right decision. Agreed. Totally agreed. And uh, it, it's one, it's been one big problem with Kaiser. It's uh, with the substitutions being so late. I don't know why. Um, when you allow three substitution and uh, recently they've been talking about maybe four in the future. Um, but Sporting, uh, with Kaiser, chooses not to do any subs, uh, or at least he does it very late. Uh, so now, Chris, now all the way from uh, from Philly, what do you think? Tell me. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, um, I definitely thought that uh, Villarreal uh, dominated us. Um, they obviously created more chances. Uh, and I think that if it wasn't for Salan, who had another great performance, um, stood on his head and goal there a bit. Um, 
uh, it, it could have been worse. Um, but as far as the game plan and how things went, um, especially in the first half, uh, I don't know if we really deserved that goal. Um, but uh, it came right at right at you know that killer time right before halftime. Um, and uh, I mean, I didn't think the first half was fantastic, um, but situationally, um, you know, we didn't concede. Um, we had, you know, decent spells throughout it. Um, and then to get that goal right before half, I really thought it was going to energize us to, to, to stick another goal in, in the second half. And then if we would have scored that second goal, they would have been in big trouble because then we would have had two away goals and they would have had to go out and score two. Um, and I, I don't know if that would have happened, especially, um, we would have had all the momentum. So I really thought that that goal was going to change everything. Um, and immediately, um, you know, we could talk about the decision. Um, I mean, I don't think there's much in it, but that Jefferson red card right on the other side of half, uh, it, it kind of killed us. And, and basically, whatever Kaiser said at halftime, his team talk, his tactics, it all went out the window within three minutes. You know, it's as if it never happened and everything had to change. Um, and then, um, I mean, the response was okay. Um, but the whole time, it just felt like, their goal was coming it didn't seem like we were we were creating enough we didn't really deserve another goal and it felt like if we could take it to extra time um then it would have been you know it would seem like they were satisfied with that um to take it to extra time um and they were knocking on the door um the formation was all fucked up uh at some points it almost seemed like uh, when we were defending in our own half, it seemed like we had like six at the back um, and then two holding mids and then Bas Dost 40 yards away on the last defender and then just acres of space um, in the space between that. Um, it, it, was, it, was not, it was not fantastic. Um, and I really wasn't surprised when they scored because um, I had seen it coming the whole time. Um, and then... We had, you know, Baz Dost really had a great chance at the end. Um, you know, I really was curious to see what the response would be because they scored about between 75th and 80th minute, I think. So we had about 10 minutes to, to, to score a winner because, um, I mean, obviously we knew we were going out, you know. Um, you know, 1-1 one, one in Spain, it's not a bad result um, in a vacuum, but given the situation, you're, you're going to go out with that result. You know, we had to, we had to go for it. Um, and, and that great chance fell to Baz Dost and, um, you know, he's just not in form right now. And he, he went with his left foot, completely scuffed it, um, could probably could have gone with his head. I mean, it wasn't, you know, ridiculous. He could have like, he wouldn't even, it wouldn't have even been a full diving header. He just would have had to, you know, kind of just, you know, go down a little bit for it. Um, but he went at it with his left foot, completely scuffed it. And, uh, I mean, you're not going to get a better chance than that. Um, that late in the game and you know unfortunately we crashed out okay yeah um, I'm not gonna say much about it you guys said it all uh, to me it's uh, it was um, I was very upset I was actually home watching the game and uh, anyway let's move on to the next game because you don't want to hear what I want to say um, so against Maritimo we went all the way down to Fushal and we tied as well we couldn't score. And the lineup was the following. Renan Ribeiro, which, by the way, he will stay at Sporting for a while. We bought him. Stefan Vitovsky, 
Thiago Ilori, Coates, Cristiano Borra, Bruno Fernandes, Wendel, Goodelch, Acuna, Diaby, and Baz Dust. And Kevin, I'm going to start with you now. So what do you think about the match? Okay. From, from the start, something seemed off with Salah, after brilliant performance with eight saves, being taken off and Hernan being back as the main goalkeeper, which I can't understand. I don't know if you guys understand why that happened, but after after his performance, it's beyond me. Um, Rafinha, after his impact in the game against Villarreal, th- doesn't start. Diaby keeps his place. Again, don't understand that. But, okay, we go into the game. We've, um, we haven't won at Malitmo in Funchal for five games since 2015. So it's, it's a very hard place to go. And considering Maritmo have the worst attack in the league, we should be expected to win the game regardless. But it's, something's wrong in the team. And you can see in the midfield that all three of them are tired. Goodell, Wendell, Bruno Fernandes, they, they're brilliant players. Maybe Goodell a bit less, but they're all brilliant players in their own, their own areas. But they're being, they're being overworked and they cannot keep up with the pace for the whole game. And when you don't have the midfield, it's the heart of the team. And then the rest of the team will struggle because of that. Because with, with uh, Kaiser's tactic, you need to be very close together for the short passes, for the, for the quick counter-attacks. But if you don't have the centre of the team, then the whole team is going to struggle from it. Acuna, Christovski and the wings will have to run more. Bazdos will get left and it's going to be like we're playing with a couple of men less with the amount more that everyone will have to run. So, wasn't a great game overall. Uh, Baz Dost, Diaby having the worst worst games, in my opinion. Just not having a couple of misses, not creating anything. But it's quite poor from everyone overall, just struggling to create chances. And we, we had 70% of possession, but what can we say from it? N- nothing. There's, it wasn't a great performance. And against a team like Maritmo in the state that they're in, we we had to be better. We had to score goals. We had to put the motivation back into the team. And we didn't. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the lack of motivation was, uh, was amazing. Um, so, uh, Chris, uh, I'll let you go next. Yeah, uh, you know, echoing uh, what Kevin said, Baz uh, does. That again, uh, Mr. Sarah in the first half. I don't know what's wrong with him. He can't score any chances. I mean, the ball was on a platter. All he had to redirect it. Couldn't get it done. But, I mean, it's not his fault, obviously. Um, it's not all his fault. Uh, I didn't. Th- I, I think the first half was, was abysmal. Um, we, we played much better in the second half. Um, and it really, it it really felt like we we should have scored. Um, I I felt it was one of those games where like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, we we kept you know creating dangerous moments. 
Um, Bruno Fernandes had a chance. Um, he had a free kick that almost went in as well. Um, you know, it just it felt like it was it was coming, but it just uh, it never did. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I thought Rafinha was very dynamic when he came in. Um, you know, like Kevin said it as well. I don't understand how he he, he doesn't start. You know, regularly. Um, he, he's clearly um, better than Diaby, and he constantly shows when he comes in that he's dynamic, uh, can create chances, get at his defender. Um, and I thought that uh, he really changed the game uh, in the second half. Um, you know, he had a cameo as well, um, and I thought he played well. Um, love to see more of him. Don't know if it'll ever happen, uh, but uh, I really like uh, I really like what he's done in the, in the limited opportunities that he's had. Um, you know, he, he's had less opportunities, I think, than Luis Philippe. Luis Philippe gets like six, like six to ten minutes every every game, it seems. Um, he hasn't really done much, but I mean, Dumbia's had even less opportunities, but he has impressed me more um, with his with his limited chances as well. Um, you know, and just Petit, I need to say this, but Petit, man, he is he sucks, man. His entire tactics is just sit back. Park the bus, um, play for the draw. Um, like mentioned before, worst attack in the league. I mean, he is—he is worthless. Um, he plays loser ball. Um, that that tactical style is called loser ball. Um, you, you're not even attempting to win the game. Um, they're in danger uh, of being relegated, and uh, you know, to, to be honest, they 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 deserve it. It's a historical club, but. Uh, if you hire Petit, <laughs> he did great work with Tundell that one season where he saved them. But, I mean, outside of that, he just bounces around, gets fired from every team, and just goes to another lower to mid-table team, gets fired, does it again. I mean, by the end of the next, like, four years, he's going to have coached every team in Portugal. Um, you know, and, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he, he him and Pizzetto, man, uh, very, very similar type. Pizzetto's actually probably a better coach, honestly. Um, he just he, he drove me crazy. They wasted so much time. Um, and, and Nelson Pereira after after the game um, was irate. I mean, Kaiser got sent off. Pereira got sent off. I think someone else got sent off as well. Um, oh, Kawats did for fucking the bullshit thing with the goalie diving. I mean, the Charles, their goalie had a great game. Don't get me wrong, but he needed medical attention three times. Kawats is just trying to get the ball. He he dives in front of him and then flails dramatically Kowats gets sent off it was just it was borderline unwatchable from Maritimo um, they totally did not deserve a point out of this game and it's just a damn shame that we did not punish them I agreed agreed and um, I'll have a few questions for you guys but I'm gonna let uh, Patrick go first yeah so um, typically uh... I think one word summarizes that, and that's frustrating. Um, as Kevin said, Maritima is not an easy place uh, to go to, and our past results um, have suggested that. Um, even more so when they're in a precarious and delicate uh, situation, which is obviously um, being down the bottom and in need of points, their attack isn't flowing as well as they'd like. So I think sporting. You know they should have expected um, uh, one of those games that every now and then comes up in front of us, where the team is just going to waste time at every opportunity and, and make things 
as slow and frustrating uh, for for the team as possible. And I think it showed even by the end of it with Quartes' red card. You know, Sporting had just had enough of the situation that they had been lured into. Um, I think the goalkeeper Charles went down with pretty much nothing, uh, nothing injury um, very early on. So, you know, that set the time for the rest of the game with regards to Maritimo's game plan. In terms of Sporting's performance, you know, um, it wasn't the worst that we've seen in these last um, one or two months. But, you know, it's still, it still wasn't good enough, um, obviously. Um, we had one or two chances in which we could have scored from um, and perhaps had we uh, tucked one away, maybe Dost's, um, maybe the uh, the landscape of things would have looked different for us. Um, but we didn't and outside of that, I don't think we showed quite enough um, to really make the game ours. Um, why is that? I would probably point towards, you know, the obvious thing, for us to point towards is a lack of confidence um, where we started so well and everything was fantastic under Kaiser. Now uh, we've got a few bad results under our belt and, um, you know, it's natural, I think, in the turbulent season that we've had, um, when things start to go wrong, I think it, I, I, was, I was expecting things to um, switch off in the players' minds quite easily and I think that's what's happening right now. I'm not sure the players are truly... Um, believe in what they're being told in the dressing room, in training. I'm not really sure they're buying into it, especially when tough situations arise, such as Maritimo making it difficult for us or in other games where we concede um, fairly early. Um, you know, think, things are rocking a little bit uh, for us at the moment. And, and, and all of that comes down to belief. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to watch at times, obviously. Um, but you know we just got to keep plugging away and, and see what we can do next uh, against Portimonis. But um, for sure, I think we're suffering from a bit of a mixture of no confidence or lack of belief of what's um, uh, being told by Kaiser. Okay, yeah. so I have a couple of questions, and I'm going to start with the, this question is for Kevin. So now that we know the more or less, because all of a sudden. Uh, Verandas and, uh, and uh, Francisco Salgado Zenia decided to tell the whole world our financial situation. We, we, they made it sound like Sporting is in the hole, and we kind of are in the hole, but it doesn't mean that Befica and Porto are any better. Um, this, is what, this is the difference between our club and the other clubs. Uh, but it is what it is. Now we know the truth. We owe 54 million to creditors and other clubs including uh, uh, Guimarães, uh, Rafinha, 4.1. We still owe money to racing of uh, Argentina for Cunha. We owe money to Fiorentina uh, for Bruno Gaspar. Why the waste of fucking money anyway? Um, we owe money to um, uh, Sampdoria for Bruno Fernandes still. We owe money to everybody. Now, Kevin, the question to you is, do you think this is why we're performing the way we are performing? Because now we, you know, we, we all know there's a financial problem with Sporting. I think it could impact the team in a way, but the bad performances have definitely started before the whole financial situation came out. Because you see, you see with Kaiser, as soon as we lost the first game, 
Kaiser has changed. He changed his substitutions. He, ch- he stopped playing the youth and he stayed with the same 11 players every single game. So I, I can't see it just being down to the financial situation at the club, but it could, all, it, it could help. I mean, the players definitely know what's going on around them. So who's to sell if there's if they're scared of what's going to happen to the club or or if they know where the paycheck is coming from. I mean, this is the club that pays them every week, so th- they could be worried they won't get paid the next week if we owe f- $50 millions to wherever it is. So, yeah, I'm not sure. But, again, if they were aware of the financial situation, would they not want to put the good performances in? to get the Champions League spot, to get the club out of this, or to put them on the transfer list and for them to get out of here if the club's unstable? I don't know. It's very hard to say at the moment. Yeah, I, I, agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I would uh, I would want to win against Villarreal and get the money that you get for the win in the Liga Europa, for example. I feel the same way. Um, so, Chris, now, uh, another tough question for you. Um, Technically, and all the stats put together, only 56 minutes were played in this Maritim game. After all the injuries, all the breaks, only 56 minutes were played. So it's minus, um, what is it, uh, 36 minutes? So now, what can we do? Wh- who's to blame? Uh, well, um, well, I mean, that, that's, that's a quote from, from Nelson Pereira. Uh, that's why... I- Part of the reason why he was a rate, um, uh, it's it's the referee. Um, uh, in, in the end, I mean, you, you can you can punish them by adding stoppage time. We we got four minutes of stoppage time in that game, and fucking Charles rolled around for two of those minutes, and then. Which he was the MVP of the game, by the way. He was, he was. He played a great yeah. game, but he also <laughs> wa- wasted no. 10 minutes of it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's like, what the fuck? He's the MVP of the game after he wasted all that time. That's great. That's The Liga nausea is a fucking wow. Which, which I mean, for their tactics, uh, I mean, on, on paper, we're going to look at his saves and the, the game that he played. But to them, that 10 minutes was also goes into part of his great performance for them because – he 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 made if if they're playing ten less minutes because of his fake injuries, it's, it's benefit for them <laughs> because there's less time for Sporting to play and score. Um, so I mean I think it's on the referee. Um, so the referee should have given let's say fifty minutes of stoppage time. I think he should have given like eight to ten. Yeah. Eight to ten. I agree. Oh, even more. So yeah, that's that's the only way these fucking teams will learn. And, and the, another thing that constantly drives me crazy is once you give the stoppage time, the amount of time that gets wasted in the stoppage time, and then they just blow it right at what the stoppage time that they gave. Uh, so Charles goes down at 93, they resume play at 96, and then he blows it 30 seconds later. It, that's, that doesn't make any sense. At all. At all. Uh, valid point. So now, Patrick, last question about this game. Um, Bruno Fernandes, he tried, he tried, he tried, he tried. But you could tell he's getting exhausted and he's he's not going to be able to put on those performances all the time. Who can who can step up and uh, 
and be Bruno Fernandes because we we're burning him out. Um, I I, don't, I really don't see anyone stepping up to the caliber of uh, Bruno Fernandes, especially because the other the other midfielder who who has the capabilities of taking command of the game in one way, um, you know, plays next to him in that box of box role is Vendel. Um, but Vendel's even more fatigued than than Bruno Fernandes. He, he, he's playing. He's been playing the last two games with an injury. Um, so you know it, it's it's complex, and obviously I don't think there's anyone in the squad who has um, the confidence and the mentality as as well as the ability, um, you know, the whole package to to, to really produce anything um, like what Bruno Fernandes is doing. It would have been nice uh, had we at the start of the season recognised that this is a, a star player, and we have another player who uh, can perhaps. You know, following his footsteps in Giraud, in my opinion, that's what I would have done. I would have used Giraud to shadow Bruno Fernandes. And you would have gotten um, a different output mentally out of uh, the young boy. And perhaps, you know, um, Bruno Fernandes would be fresher because you would have been able to play uh, Francisco Giraud in, uh, you know, however many games, you know, five, ten more games um, and giving Bruno Fernandes a rest here and there. Um, and the same thing goes for you know the likes of Miguel Luis, who uh, perhaps should have been afforded a few more minutes because he's looked decent whenever he has played. Um, but um, I think now it's very difficult. I've, obviously, Bruno Fernandes' form is very good right now. Um, so to even think about like, giving him a rest is, is nuts uh, because Sporting's form is terrible. So um, Bruno Fernandes has been uh, pretty much the only thing keeping uh, sporting going lately so even if we'd like to give him a rest we can't even um, we can't even fathom such things um, so yeah it's complex and obviously uh, until the end of the season it's very difficult for for me to envisage someone filling in his shoes so if he gets injured it'll be it'll be interesting to see what uh, Kaiser does to uh, to cover up for it but um, you know let's hope that he doesn't come to that Yeah, agreed. So let's move on. This, it's uh, about these two embarrassing games. We spoke about enough about it. Uh, so let's move on. So now the next topic will be um, our president, uh, Frederic Verandas. He had a speech not too long ago, a few days ago, uh, like a week ago, a week ago today. Um, did you did you guys um, watch it live uh, on YouTube or? Yeah, yeah, I picked up some of it on live on TV. Okay, I watched it. Okay, so overall, him and the uh, the uh, the ways of uh, the finances, Mr. Francisco Salgado Zenia, we're talking about our sporting. Uh, a week ago, um, they were just talking about lightly, nothing in depth, and then a few days later, later, they they gave all the breakdown of how much we owe, how much money we need by June, how much money we need by the end of 2019. I don't know why they waited a few more days and didn't do everything on Friday. I have no fucking clue. It was very convenient for them to do it off camera instead of doing it the same day a week ago. So now you guys listen to what they had to say. Were you guys impressed? Were you guys happy as Sportingistas? So, Chris, go first. Um, well, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't impressed. Um, 
uh, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of finger pointing. Um, you know, to me, um, the way that this team operates and the debt that exists is not anything new. Um, you know, obviously back in 2012, 2013, Sporting was about 300 million euros in debt. Um, present day, they're about 130 million euros in debt. So they've about halved that debt. Um, you know, just a side point really quick. Um, it's kind of funny uh, because when you consider it, um, Porto and Benfica are also massively in debt. Benfica is actually the second most in-debt club in Europe behind only Manchester United, who's over 500 million euros in debt. Benfica is about 300 million euros in debt. Uh, Porto has about 40 million more. Um, so, I mean, it's funny because you would think that this is a uniquely sporting issue, um, but it's actually kind of a bigger issue with European football in general um, and even Portuguese football um, because three of our clubs are in the top 20 in all of Europe. Um, so it's just kind of debt is kind of the business model because theoretically, um, from an economic standpoint, Sporting is 130 million euros in debt, but we have assets that we theoretically sell. We have a stadium. We have um, a pavilion. So we're not, we're not bankrupt because you're bankrupt when your debt is larger than your assets. And obviously our assets value more than 130 million euros. Um, so, I mean, I think that what pro I think what happened, especially with this, this this loan that we owe to this Novo Bank uh, and Millennium Bank, um, the forty two million euros that's due uh, in June. Um, I believe that 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 must have been a loan um, from the Brunscrevalu era, um, and they took that loan out four years ago. Do um, so. It's not like. They just found out about it yesterday. Um, you know, that, that loan has always existed. And the reason that that loan has existed is because the club was actually almost bankrupt five years ago. So something had to be done to, to essentially save the club. Um, because at that point, our assets did not total more than our debt. Um, back in, you know, the Golding Lopes, the end of that tenure, 2013-ish. Um, so uh, it's it's irresponsible, I think, by this current uh, administration to be spending the way that they've spent this season. And honestly, a big fuck you to Sosa Sintra, especially because he he spent like we, he knew about this loan that was due. It was took out in twenty fourteen. Forty million. This is we have to pay this. Why are you spending four million to get Nani? Um, you know, why are you firing a coach 10 days after he's hired? I mean, why are we, and then go to Vrans too. Why are we buying Bruno Gaspar? Um, you know, actually that was saying, um, you know, why are we, uh, forcing Viviano out when we owe him 2 million in salary? It's like they were spending as if this debt and this payment that they knew about didn't exist. Um, so now here we are three months out and they're like, oh my God, we have to pay this debt. It was his fault, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, obviously the debt uh, is 
specific payment that your hair is on fire about was from the Brunker value era. Yeah, you didn't take this specific loan out, but it's not like you didn't knew about you didn't know about it. So I, I don't understand. Um, I really don't understand why they're acting um, honestly crazy about it. Uh, I think that they are just kind of banking on people not really know or people being mad about Bruno Carvalho and hit the end of his, his tenure so they can kind of just kind of ride the wave off of, yeah, fuck him, right? So I, I don't understand, um, you know, fully w w what their plan was from the beginning. Okay. So now um, we, we me personally, I'm just going to give my two cents because this kind of uh, touched my, my soul. Um, the speech itself uh, about uh, Frederic Verandes uh, reading off an iPod, he, he was obviously getting the answers from somebody else. So that tells me that under pressure, he sucks. Um, then second, he didn't say much. He was too, too busy in uh, talking about the past, about Brunkerwald this, Brunkerwald that, um, talking about silly things, about negotiations with... Uh, with a team from uh, Cap Verde, an association, and all that bullshit, um, which to me, it's irrelevant. I'm more interested as a fan, I'm more interested of the present and the solutions for the future. Not so much about the past. I don't give a shit about that, you know? So you can put that on the relatorio, then we can read it, I can read it myself. Now we know the amounts we owe to people, $54 million to creditors and clubs, which is a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money. You don't get that, you know, overnight. So you need to be creative and you need to find solutions. His speech was a misery. It was an embarrassment and a waste of time. Because now, a week later, or, you know, a few days later, he talks about all the nitty-gritty, which he should have spoken about on that Friday. Why he avoided that, I have no clue. Well, I do have a clue why. It was convenient for him because he wasn't live. So now, uh, Patrick, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, now we know we owe $54 million. If you were the president of Sporting Club Portugal, what would you do to solve this problem? Um, well, I think one avenue you could take, obviously, is the one that they're that they're discussing currently, um, which is to um, you know ask for um, the TV money, you know, receive it earlier, like Bruno Carvalho had done um, previously. Uh, before that, uh, we got that contract with Nice, which is actually due to start next season. But you know, I think with the money that we can request now, I think that would have been forty percent of it gone already, um, which isn't isn't positive at all but you know sporting our club um with needs and, and um here in this in this deal between us and Naj um we could have a solution um but naturally you know what i think will happen is come the end of the season um you know i don't i the way sporting are performing and the level that Bruno Fernandes is performing they at two completely different uh, stages. Um, and I don't see how Sporting can uh, convince a player like Bruno Fernandes, who is clocking up uh, 10, 20 goals a season. I don't see how Sporting can really convince him to stay. And with this need for money, 
Hello? I think you muted yourself, Patrick. Yeah, I think so too. So so we're going to move on uh, until Patrick comes back. Uh, so, Kevin, um, so who's to blame? Yeah, yes. Yeah, Are oh, you back? Oh, okay, yeah. hi. Even better. Okay, go <laughs> yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this, this, happened, uh, this happened twice uh, the last podcast. For, with you Sorry? and uh, th this happened twice the last podcast with you and uh, Danny and uh, and Chris, uh, like we lost the sound completely. Yeah, someone just called me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're talking yeah, about um, uh, the, we're not going to be able to hold on to Brun Fernandes for too much longer. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I just don't see uh, how Brun Fernandes will, will stay with the, with the form that Sporting are in. Um, and the form that he's in, so I can very easily um, envisage a move to say the Premier League or La Liga, um, even Syria. He's been there before, so he knows the league quite well. I think he'll definitely be um, the player who um, will make a move, and then Sporting does what they what they do with with, with the cash. Um, maybe we we live in a situation where Sporting. Um, takes both avenues, takes the money from Nojand, uh, sells Bruno Fernandes and attempts to rebuild um, next season in that way. Um, but for sure, I reckon, uh, I reckon we're moving into a situation where we will sell uh, a player. I know they said they didn't need to, um, but I think... For now, um, they said they didn't need to for now. Yeah, they didn't need to for now, but I think, that, I think they will. I think, I think the time... It's probably going to come up uh, right for Brun Fernandes. Um, I mean, put yourselves in, in his position. He's 24, turning 25, I believe. Um, you, you've had two very good seasons. Um, you know, 25 is a good age for you to make a jump to a big league. And, um, you know, competition is fierce in the Portuguese league for uh, in a Portuguese national team as well for players in his position. So he really needs to be at a platform uh, a bigger platform where he can really, you, you know, start start reaching newer uh, and bigger heights. So I reckon that's going to be the most uh, sensible thing um, to do uh, by the end of it. And that's just what I can see Sporting doing. Okay. So, Kevin, um, you as a Sporting Easter fan all the way from uh, United Kingdom, you look at your club and you say... And you tell yourself, can I, can I believe and can I trust and can I see uh, uh, Verandas and Francisco Zenia to solve the problems of my sporting? Can you see that? Do you feel confident? Can you see those two being able to solve the problem? No way. No uh, way at all. <clears throat> from the start, from the start, from when Brunkerval came in, his first speech... He was honest with the sporting issues. He said he's going to give the club back to the sausage, which he did. He brought us sporting TV, Pavilion, gone us what else. He saved us from financial trouble. Okay. We could still be in debt, which is true, apparently. But we were in a good financial position with the signings we were making, with the investment in the Dali Dodge. Everything was okay. But then Varandas comes in and he doesn't release anything like Brunkerwald did. Brunkerwald would always release the financial records. He'd always be upfront with the supporters. He'd always be 
um, giving interviews and just saying what was happening, why was this was happening, and why it was the best thing for the club. Varandas doesn't say anything until it got to the point where he had to be up front and say, we're 40 million in debt. But what I want to know is why we're paying 6 million to Jorge Mendes since he came back to the club, since we started doing business with him again. Why are we paying 4 million on loans for two players that haven't even worn a sporting shirt yet? Why are we paying 10 million for players, one of which we paid 4 million for a defensive midfielder who hasn't even made that much of an impact? He's played a few games, he doesn't even start, he doesn't get a chance. He's not getting his fair share of football for the price tag that we paid for him. Why are we paying 10 million for players in January? And then the next month we're saying we're 40 million in debt. Why are we acting like we have no debt when apparently we have debt? Why is this happening? You, you cannot say that this is Bruno Carvalho's fault because Verandes, whatever he's doing, he's handling it worse. Agreed. So, Chris, uh, really fast. Do you think the, the attack on the academy has a big role to play in the situation we in today? Um, I think that it definitely partly does um, because, obviously, some of the players rescinded their contracts and then the players we did negotiate, for example, Rui Patricio, we got $18 million for him, but we didn't actually get $18 million for him. We only got about $12 million. Uh, and George Men's got about six million. No, hold on. There's there's a new twist into that. Uh, I I would recommend you guys <laughs> to to go to Twitter, and uh, and uh, go to Sherva. He's actually part of uh, Sporting One Sixty on on Thursday. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Uh, and then he he, he had a, a nice uh, little uh, write up narrative about that, and he br he breaks everything down. And uh, from Rui Patrice, we only got two thirds of that money. Two millions went to. An investment for a Chinese player that's in our club. Yeah, uh, David Wang, I believe is. He, he, he hasn't yeah. played you one minute. Choking. Hasn't played one minute. No so way. that was just to open the doors in China. I, I don't know what kind of fucking doors, but anyway, so two million went for that to to a perspective from China, and uh, so we didn't get much from Rui Patricio at all. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the the that the, the Okay, so what I actually think, not to go back in, in history and, and relitigate the past here, but the players that rescinded their contracts um, wanted to leave. And I believe that they opportunistically took the opportunity to leave. Um, and uh, I don't know if any of you have read uh, any of uh, Bruno Carvalho's book yet, um, but he, 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 I will say this, he has a knack for being he's a great he was obviously a great negotiator but he seems like a nightmare to deal with if you're on the other end of the negotiation um and i think the adrian case is a great example of he just he fucked that one up i mean he got what he wanted but he fucked adrian and lester in the process um uh, his, his talk about ending marcus silva's contract uh, and how that all went down He's a great negotiator, but I, he's not, I wouldn't want to deal with him. You know, I'm glad he was the one that he was on our team and not the other way around because he, he, he gets what he wants and he'll drag it out. 
he'll he'll milk you for every last penny, um, and he'll be uh, bombastic about it uh, in the process. Um, so I, I think that players like Ripatissi, Justin Martinez, William Carvalho, they had, they had wanted to leave and they had tried to leave the summer before and it didn't work out because Bruno Carvalho was doing his thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it sucks. It happened. Some of them got hit. Um, we don't know the specifics. We know Baz Dost took a belt to the head and he was actually physically hit. Yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if William Carvalho was actually hit. But nonetheless, it was, it was a traumatizing event. Um, I understand, but they milked it. Um, and as a result of that, they were able to get out of the club. And part of that, losing those assets um, and, and then the, the players that we did receive compensation for, um, like Reproducio, as we just said, load of bullshit. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad we didn't get zero million euros for him in the end, which seems like it's going to happen with Jelson. Monaco's in the process of signing him from Atletico Madrid. They wanna, he's been playing great on loan for them, and they want to sign him. And when I read the headlines, like Monaco interested in triggering Jelson buyout, I'm just like, how is that happening? We have not received a cent for that. Has Verandes just given up? Um, because if he has just given up, then that's embarrassing. Um, no, no, it's still in. Um, I mean, it, it, enough is enough. It's not on Verandes now. That's in the court system. So we just got to wait. I just don't understand how a player can be transferred for a second time if the original club is still owed money or there's a, a case tying it up. I, it's crazy to me. He's um, not being transferred. They, they, they saying they interested. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so being interested is one thing. And, uh, okay. You know, so it's March. Um, if it happens in June in three months, is, is the case going to be resolved? I, I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. So it, it might be it might be one of those deals that later on, later on, if they see hey, Sporting is entitled to such a money, it's going to be uh, Athletic Madrid will have to give uh, mm -hmm. an amount, and uh, Monaco will have to give a certain amount as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously that 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 transfer um, alone theoretically could cover this forty million looming bank payment. I mean, obviously smaller players like Ruben Ribeiro. Uh, rescinded, <laughs> don't really fucking cared. Uh, apparently, he's found a new club in UAE, I think. Yeah, um, I don't know how much he would have netted in a potential lawsuit, anyways. Um, but I mean, at least you know, a couple million, two million, three million. I don't know what his, his value is. Um, but it, I know it's not zero, zero. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely frustrating. Um, and, uh, just to go back to the original question of the attacks, um, it, it kind of set this whole cycle of turbulence, uh, in motion. And at the same time, it also gives Verandas an out because he can keep pointing to it. Um, he, t I think it was today or yesterday. He said next summer, like is year zero, you know, for sporting, we start year sure. zero, uh, so I, I'm not sure what year zero means. Does that mean we play next season as year zero and then the season after that is year one? So he gets like a 1.5 year buffer before his, he actually starts. Um, I, I just think for him it's very convenient. It's convenient for the players who wanted to leave and didn't want to deal with Bruno Carvalho's negotiating. And it's convenient for him because he can keep pointing to it as a scapegoat and his predecessor as well. Okay, so now with all this said, this is the solution they came up with. They say that uh, they need to raise $100 million by the end of the year. Okay? So do you, do you all have a pen and a piece of paper? <laughs> really fast? Do you have it? 
Uh, I've got a calculator. That's fine. Even better. So get a pen, piece of paper, or calculator on your cell phone, which is a calculator. Um, you know, I'm 46, so sometimes I kind of forget about those details. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Let's come up. Let's come up all together with that money for sporting. We're going to save our club. Okay. So, so, so this is the value of our A squad, René Ribeiro, and you can round it off. Uh, market value is at two million twenty-eight. 2.28. Salin, 228,000. Uh, Maxi, 228. Sebastian Cuata, 16. Uh, Andre Pinto, 3.5. Uh, Ilori, 2.3. Uh, Mathieu, 2.3. Acuna, 17.1. Uh, Jefferson, believe it or not, 2.8. <laughs> I know. Uh, Boja, 2.2, uh, Brun Gaspar, 5.1, Kitovsky, 4.0, uh, Dumbia, 2.85, Petrovic, 1.1, Rodrigo Betaglia, 11.4, Wendell, 8.5, uh, Gudelci, 7.4, but he's on the loan, so he doesn't really count. Uh, Miguel Luis 2.85, Bruno Fernandes 34.2. That's his market value. Not a joke. No, that's his the market value. Chico Geraldes okay. at 4.5. I don't know who, come, who comes up with these fucking numbers. Uh, Rafinha 7.4, Giovanni Cabral 7, uh, 8.0, 8 uh, Diaby 6.2. Bajdos 25 and Luis Flip 1.7. So, whoever comes up with the uh, amount first, let me know. And Chris, you said that we owe the we we in the hole by one one thirty million or one twelve. One thirty-three was um, the last amount. The last amount from what I could find uh, on the internet. Okay. Damn, you guys really suck at math. I lost track uh, in there about halfway, so I'm going back through uh, transfer market and adding in their their values. Was I going too fast? No, no, it was fine. <laughs> to be honest, when I, when I got a calculator, it was too late. <laughs> 166. I One okay, 166. So there it is. So I, I, I came up with 157, but yeah, let's just average that, 160. And that's fine. That's fine. 160. So there we go. So bearing uh, in mind that Bruno Fernandes is worth a lot more as well. Yes, indeed. So I would say 200. The, the Jefferson world. a lot less. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I personally think that Aglia could, could be sold for more than 10 as well. Yeah. So, so with, that, yeah, 200, with, with, right? that said, with that said, Sporting is, is not in a, in a bank, bankruptcy situation at all. No. The, the, the team itself covers the, the whole amount. The thing is we have to pay the bank. And, and that's where the problem is. And the, my question to, to Kevin will be, who's the president that you would elect – 
that has charisma and can gather all the sporting geeses because now we all divide it. We all divide it. Who do you see at the, in Portugal, or even outside of Portugal, but most likely it'll be from Portugal, someone capable of having charisma uh, like Bruno Carvalho, and, and, uh, and the, the, the fans will blindly say, yes, this is our guy, this is the guy I'm going with, I'm going to pay my scotters, buy my game boxes, football, and modalidades. That's it. That's the guy I believe in. Who do you see? It's not Valandes, like we've seen. No. I think we can all agree on that. Nope. Um, Bruno Carvalho, that would not benefit anyone at this point. The guy is tired of everything, can see in his book. You can see in his face, you can see in his interviews, he's, he's not fit for the job anymore. He needs a rest. We've yeah, tired that guy out. He's beat up, yeah. Yeah. So, like we had had in the elections in September, we had Verandes and the guy who lost, who got more votes. We had Juan Benedito, the rightful president of Sporting. That's who I put in as the president. Okay. Chris? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I do like Jerome Benedetto, and that is who I voted for. Um, but I, I'm just going to backtrack on and go back to the original claim here that uh, sport thing must you know, cover this debt. I believe that a football club can operate in debt because as we've seen, we are not bankrupt you know our, our assets are not in danger of being greater than our debt obviously once the debt gets inflated like it was to 300 million then you start to get yourself into trouble but if, if we cut this debt in half and we get it down to 70 million that, that we can perfectly fine operate with that because you're 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 you always know that you can sell a player or whatever so i think that if we cover these these 60 million um uh uh, just through through you know the sales of two players and then the investments, that that's how this club has always worked. It's it's a selling club. We develop players and then we sell them for high values. Then we go out and we go to South America. We have our academy. We spend two, three, four million here or there, and then we do the cycle repeats itself. It, this isn't anything new. I, I do not understand why the People are acting like the, the sky is falling. This is, this is always how our club has worked. Well, the problem is, and I, and I, and I see it, and, and now I'm going to ask you another question since, since I'm going to piggyback uh, off, off your, 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 your question um, or your statement. So I'm an investor. I'm going to ask you, listen, I want to invest $50 million on Sporting, but can you guarantee me that that shit that happened on the 15th of May will never happen again? Can you guarantee me that? Because that bothers me. And that, that's fucking with my investors. I, I have a lot of money, but the, my investors, my partners, they, they're skeptical. they say, you saw what happened at the academy beating up players? I mean, that's our money at stake. Can you guarantee me that, sir? Yeah, so the shares after that happened plummeted. Yes. Um, and understandably so because of the volatility of the situation. And, I mean, that's how stocks work. They rise and fall based on their expected return. Performance. Um, yeah, in this case, it's a, it's a, it's a soccer club. Um, so at this point, the shares are in the, the price of the shares is essentially back up to what it once was originally. Um, it, 
it, it, it fell and it rises and then it fell again a little bit. And now it, it's back up to essentially where it was. Um, so, I mean, people who are investing in the shares of the club like they did um, in the first half of the season when all these ex-players were investing in shares. Do you guys remember that? Um, they made a big deal about it. Uh, Ripatrici, William Carvalho were some of the bigger names that invested in some of the shares of the club. Um, you know, like... I, there's money there. There really is money there. Um, and I think that um, obviously it's, it's very quickly removed. It hasn't even been a full year since these original events um, occurred. Um, but, you know, once we get, we're, we're already, it's almost time to, to, to move past it. But, you know, theoretically we, we could still be getting some money coming in Um you know, another name, Podence, I, I don't know what happened to him as far as his, the lawsuit, if it's just going to get tied up in the courts for years. Uh, but, you know, I think that if we could cover this, co- you know, cover these loans that are pending, and then in two years or whatever, we get 60 million euros just in, shot in here, you know, it'd be, it'd be put us in a really good situation. It would change the game. Okay, now, uh, thank you, Chris, for that. Uh, now. Um, Patrick, why is it such a big deal in the in the Portuguese culture? Because in the, in the Premier League, it's uh, it's quite frequent, and in America too. Why is it such difficult in in the, in the, in Portugal to give up the name of the stadium and the pavilion? We could be making a bunch of money if this st- stadium was called um, Geico uh, Stadium, or the pavilion would be called. Uh, whatever, you know. Avignon um, Superbock. Yeah, whatever. So why is it such a big deal in Portugal? Because, you know, there's money to be made, but in the Portuguese culture, they don't want to give up José Avalad. They don't want to give up Juan Rocha. Why? I know, um, I, know, I know you don't live in Portugal, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's just pride, really. And, um, you know... Even here, it sometimes it happens. If we look at Newcastle, obviously Newcastle's owner is the owner of a, a sports shop called Sports Direct, and and he came to a, a stage where he renamed um, the infamous St James's Park into the Sports Direct Arena, um, and, and you know that was all a way of promoting his business in another way. And obviously Newcastle fans didn't like that because it's been St James's Park since forever. But I think, um, obviously, in that situation, um, in Newcastle's situation, they weren't actually gaining anything from it. The only person that was gaining from it was the owner because he was self-promoting his own business. But if that was to happen at Sporting, for example, uh, the Alvalade was all of a sudden to become, uh, as uh, Chris said, the Super Arena or something like that. You know, to, to, to us, I guess... We'd we'd still be saying, oh, I'm going to the Alvalade this Saturday. You know, to us, it's still the Alvalade. Um, but it's officially for a certain amount of years called the Superbock Arena, and we'd be getting money from it. And personally, I think that's just the way um, sports is heading. And in America, it's already established. In England, um, sort of. Um, Germany is very established. It, it's that sort of culture. It, it just hasn't caught on. In Portugal, for some reason, I think it 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 it's, it would certainly be nice in terms of attracting money. But obviously, I don't know. I don't know why 
Um, but it ain't, it ain't, but it ain't like they're not getting offers. They're getting offers. The thing is, they, they, the, the, the president, and they're afraid of uh, the reaction of the fan base. Yeah, which, yeah. Which I to me, pride. To me, it's it's a waste of uh, of, a, of a great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, when when I'm the Eagles, they call themselves the Lincoln. Yeah, let's go to the Lincoln. You know, the arena for the Devils is called the Prudential. So, I mean. Yeah. Who gives a shit about the name of the stadium? If they yeah. willing to pay ten million, which now we need the money, that's another source of revenue that we should look into. That that's why I'm mentioning it. And I don't get that the Portugal is still stuck in the Stone Age with that shit. That's why I'm mentioning this. And if some fan doesn't like it, a hey, be it. But it works though. It yeah. works. It makes I mean, money. It's just it. It comes down to pride essentially. Historically. Um, you know, especially for sporting in Benfica, we've kept the other lad, we've kept the louche, and like these are parts of the club's uh DNA essentially. Port I know, has changed. I know, but we're in the hall now. It used to we be the Antes, now it's the, the Stadio Dragão. See, Porto are well positioned. I think Porto, for example, if Porto were to come up tomorrow and call their stadium, um, the new balance arena, I reckon that would open doors, and I think we'd eventually. Um, you know, Portuguese footballing world would eventually become more open to the idea. I think it just takes one big club, um, to do that. Uh, for 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 us to see a knock-on effect, it's happened quite slowly. And obviously, as I said, I think that's because of the pride and because these names mean something to us and the history of our club. Um, uh, but you know, but like you said, like that, the, the name will be kept anyway. It'll, it'll be yeah, a, yeah, a that, name. That's, that's what I. That's what some people, I think, don't really, um, you know, gauge really. This is just because you, by the end of the day, you're gonna call it what you know it as, and to us, it's the other lads. Um, that's what we know it as, unless another name catches on. Um, but even then, you know, it's, it, these contracts aren't. We, it's not gonna be the Super Boca Arena forever. Exactly. It, it's. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. two, three, five years, maybe ten years if it's if the money's good. But th- that's the important thing: the money is coming in, and, and you can start. You can start small, of course, as you said. We, we can rename Alcuchetas. Benfica have uh, have also thought about renaming um, Seychelles, whatever their thing is called. Um, you know, I think th- these are smart moves to be making. Um, and we're not obviously, yeah. To me, it just comes down to pride. But we should, I think, Portuguese culture should, should certainly uh, be more open to to, to that those sorts of avenues. Yeah, the source of solutions in our case, because we do need the money. Okay, Kevin, Kaiser, in or out? It's a difficult one at the moment. He's not. He's not trying what he showed at the start of the his his campaign at Sporting. So. I reckon a new president, if he gave him the freedom to do what Kaiser wants to do, someone that can get the confidence back in Kaiser because Varandas doesn't seem to be motivating him and the side is suffering from it because Kaiser, when he suffered the first loss, it all went down from there. He he couldn't motivate the side anymore. He hasn't been able to change anything. He hasn't been able to to fix the tactics or anything. So I'd say give him, give him another season, give him the preseason from 
2019 to 2020 see how we how we start from there and if it if it's not working it's not working we have to change okay sounds good to me um uh chris let's say kaiser is out uh who would be his replacement um you know uh i think uh, a coach that um i've always liked and uh he was at the top of my list, uh, back when Pizzetto, um was fired back in December, um, is Silas um, from Bolnes. Um, I think he is a good, um, a good coach. Um, he's a good, um, you know, option if you're looking for an an in league hire. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think he'd be massively expensive either. Um, and another one, um, who obviously, um, I actually, uh, I was looking to that. I don't know if you guys follow goal point. Um, it's like a rating site. Uh, they rate games, players, performances, uh, they kind of aggregate their overall performance, like attempted dribbles, completed dribbles, passes, attempted passes over mm -hmm. passes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. they, they released their manager, um, uh, ratings, um, for the Primera Liga and Segunda Liga. Um, and right at the top of that list, who has been excellent with this season, I believe his name is Ivo Ivo Pinto from Morelense. Yes. Um, I mean, Morelense has been fantastic this season, and he has absolutely nothing to work with. I think they have the eleventh out of sixteenth smallest payroll, and I mean they've been excellent. Um, you know, for him, the next step in his managerial career would be a club like Sporting. So, um, you know, uh, I think that he could be um, a good option as well. So. Um, as far as in-league hires, I think Silas and Ivo Pinto would be at the top of my list. Okay, good. So to talking about Mureirense, it's funny that you mentioned that. They for, they, they uh, failed to register themselves for the League Europa for next year. So mm -hmm. lucky, lucky for Sporting. If we finish fifth, we still go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless Mureirense gets over there. This is what it comes to. <laughs> I know. It's just <laughs> embarrassing. Oh, my God. I mean, anyway. that's how we got in because Avs couldn't couldn't register so we lost the that's the portugal final but we still got the auto group stage bid yeah we would have gone to, <laughs> to a playoff yeah it, it's not even funny at this point it's no, just no. showing how far we've fallen it's, yeah big it's time. an embarrassment big time okay kevin i'm back at you and uh uh what do you think about, about Bruno carvalho being kicked out of uh being saucy complete utter disgrace with all that the man has done with all that he's given, and that's how he's treated. It's unbelievable how Godinho has been led into, back into the club after what he did is opposition to Sporting. Everything that he did was to benefit himself and not the club. But Bruno Carvalho, with all that he's done, with all that, the work that he put in, with all that he tried to do, is just kicked out as if what he did with the Dali Dodge, with Sporting TV, with the finances, with the Pavilion, like it meant nothing. These fans that we've got now, they just seem to have a very small memory and they don't remember what happened before just because of an attack that was completely out of his hands. And you've seen for a while since Varandas took over, since Sousa Sintra came in as the interim president that uh, Bruno Carvalho was being filtered out of the club. 
if you mentioned Bruno Carvalho in a in an interview, this the Sporting TV presenter takes the microphone away from you. What is that? But then Bruno Carvalho is a dictator. It's disgraceful. It's, so you're, it's you're, you're, against, you're against it? Completely. It, it's, it's, fair, it's fair to say you're against it. It's not right. It's not sporting. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. So, um, so Chris, really fast, are you in favor or against it? Um, you know, I will admit that he, he, can't, he didn't bring it upon himself, but he was the one who first instituted such a policy existing in the first place. Um, for right or for wrong, um, you know, obviously people who put the club in the position that it was in uh, leading up into 2013 were frauds and were enriching themselves, um, enriching agents, and they didn't give a fuck about sporting. I mean, and that's pretty objective reality. Um, so I, I wasn't opposed to what he did um, in that in that sense, um, but uh, he, he did leave the door open for it to happen again. Um, except he was uh, on the receiving end of it this time. Uh, my opinion on it is much like Kevin's. Um, I, I, I agree that I don't think he, he deserved it. Uh, you know, obviously the end of his tenure, um, the last six months uh, leading up into an attack um, that obviously um, it has been proven that he, he had any part in it. Um, they, they put on a theatrical performance of arresting him and all this stuff, but I mean, nothing was ever actually proven. Um, you know, Mustafa as well, nothing was ever actually proven. Um, and then they kind of just kind of try to charge them with, with other things that just kind of make safe face a little bit. Um, yeah, but getting back to it, I, I don't agree. Um, you know, he obviously saved sporting. Um, you know, I didn't agree with him a hundred percent of the time. Um, and obviously his handling of the situation, um, you know, texting the players after the Atletico Madrid game, I think that's what really started it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was a great president um, in his time. Uh, I, I don't think that he can ever come back, but, I mean, it's clear that he loves sporting, and I, I think he deserves to be a socio. Um, I don't think that his picture should be taken out of the, the hall of presidents. Like, it's, it's like they're trying to erase history, but you can't erase history because every time you walk to the complex and you see the pavillon Juan Rocha, you can't erase that. So propaganda I, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Fernandes propaganda. Yeah. So uh, let's let me flip it to, to, to Patrick. We still have a few uh, topics to talk about. So really fast, uh, are you against it or in favor? Um, I'd say it's, uh, I'm against it. Um, obviously, we, we we know that he's a he's a divisive figure, and um, should everything that's been thrown at him in terms of accusations uh, prove to be true, then obviously you can make uh, you can build a stronger case for him to be. Um, expelled, um, but until then, um, I think um, it's, uh, it's it's disappointing to see because what I see coming from the current uh, sporting presidency is um, a presidency that's waging war with this shadow, which the shadow being Bruno Carvalho, they're waging war with the shadow because results aren't on their side at the moment and I think they are to me, it feels like this is a good excuse to pull um, to cover for um, current failures and potentially future ones too. Um, so that's what I don't like about it. I don't like the, the direction that um, uh, this spat between the two um, presidents is going in. 
Yeah, so I'm against it too. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I know he shouldn't have been kicked out, and uh, the reason is very simple. He did just way too much for Sporting. You, you, you just don't don't kick out somebody uh, just like that, and and your lack of appreciation. And then second, uh, Friedrich Veranda, he missed a golden opportunity opportunity to to gain some brownie points by saying, "No, listen, we don't have to kick him out." Sporting Eastern would have looked at him differently. He missed a golden opportunity. He's, he's a total douchebag by not realizing that. So let's move on. Um, so basically, we spoke about this, 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 and that. Good. Um, let's talk about the modalities. So the game of uh, uh, handball. 30, uh, we won away in Romania, 27-26. What do you guys think about that? First time that a Portuguese team has qualified to the round of 16th in that competition, Champions League of handball, we among the best 16 teams in the whole European continent. What do you guys think about that? Chris, really fast. Yeah, uh, it's excellent. Um, uh, I didn't get to watch that game because, uh, I mean, I, I, I typically watch the sporting games at work. Um, so that doesn't normally stop me, but I, I couldn't really find a mobile stream. I was trying uh, a bit difficult to find a handball uh, mobile stream. Um, so I was just following it al along in the app, um, the play-by-play. -play. And yeah, I was very, very happy and excited for them. Um, just another thing that um, uh, going back, I don't want to go back too much to what we were talking about before, but the investment in the modalities and the success of the modalities, I'm afraid for them as far as if sporting's looking to cut money um, and cut uh, investments, um, I think that they could very easily turn around and not give a shit about the modalities. Um, Verandas doesn't really seem too fond of the modalities. He never goes. On its surface, it appears that he only cares about the football squad. He doesn't give a shit about the modalities. Um, so I, it's, I, I don't understand how you, could, how you could possibly look at conquests like this um, what our futsal team has done in Europe um, and domestically as well, um, and want to and want to cut it. So uh, it it scares me a little bit. I don't want to see great triumphs like this end. Okay, so basically, just to uh, to piggyback off that, to let you guys know, and um, I'm pretty sure you guys know, but the cutters we pay, they all go to to the modalidades. Mm -hmm. so the modalidades, what you what what we've seen, it's it's basically. A, a, a switch from sporting fans saying, you know what, the modalities they give us all, they, they give everything to, 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 to all of us. So they're shifting away from soccer or football, and now they're focusing on the modalities. And now they, uh, they actually buy game boxes for the modalities and supporting them more than the football team because they're kind of pissed. So, so that's a good thing. So the money is coming from us, the saucers. I'm a saucer. My son is a social, my father's a social, and we're not going to stop paying. And I'm kind of upset with, with a lot of Sportingists saying, Epa, eu vou deixar pagar so, uh, as cotas, nunca mais voava lá, isso vai ser o último jogo. I think that's the wrong approach. That's really the wrong approach. Sporting needs us now as fans. We need to su su support our Sporting now. Sporting was founded in 1906. 1906. It, it's, it has not, Verandas is just passing by. He's, he's going to leave soon. 
So stop focusing on Verandes, what he's doing, and you don't like it. You're upset because Bunkerva is not the president. My take on it is to all Spartan kids, just support your club. Forget about Verandes. By supporting your club, you only have a, a few ways to do it. It's by becoming socios. If you live in Portugal, buy the game boxes and support your Spartan. Buy the merchandise. Buy the newspaper. But support your Spartan. Never, never say, Epa, não quer saber, já não vou pagar as cotas, já não quer saber mais nada. That's the wrong approach. You fucking out club even more. That's, that's how I see it. I don't know if you guys see it the same way, but that's how I see it. But I don't want to take away from this great performance. Um, kudos to Fra uh, Frankie Scarol. He scored eight goals. Amazing performance by him. Uh, Ruesg scored, scored five goals. Tiago Rocha, he, he scored four goals. So I'm, 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 I'm very, very content with our coach, Ucanella. Great performance by our goalie, Stock. He, he had seven saves in the, in the second half. I'm a huge handball fan. That's why I know all these stats. But I'm telling you, this our team is an amazing team, and uh, and the success that the the it is all has all to do keeping the same team for the the base of the team has been together for three years, and the same goes for futsal, and the same goes with volleyball, which they won in Italy after being down two nothing. They came back and won 3-2 against Mossa um, in the second hand of the playoffs. Um, so I'm very, very happy with our modalities. They've been just amazing. Our King Petit, they, they moved on to the quarterfinals. Um, we, um, ladies track and field champions of Europe, judo champions of Europe, handball round of 16, futsal final four, volley hockey, the quarterfinals, volleyball, just one game away to reaching the final, table tennis, semifinals. So the, the heart and soul of our sporting is our modalities. And I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for them because they don't make as much money as our football team does. Um, and if, if our football team just played half of the way these modalities play, we, we would be in, better, in so much better shape. Also, kudos to our female team. They won 3 nothing against Bovista. They're just three points away from Braga. Uh, it's going to be a tough one to accomplish because our, uh, the decisive game will be against Braga in Braga, and they have a great team. They acquired four Americans, and the, the two of them, they're, very, they're like 6-2. They play midfield, great, great strength, and um, very mobile. Uh, and we ha we have to win three nothing against them at Braga because we lost at home against them two nothing, so it's not impossible. Uh, and now the, the last question of the day, and I'm going to ask this question to everybody, and then we'll go with the predictions with the Portimonense. Um, so Kevin, you'll go first. Uh, you as a Sportingista is to give up on your on your club and say. Fuck it. I'm not going to buy more game boxes. I'm not going to any more soccer games. I'm giving up. Do you think that's a solution? It'll get Verandas out faster, but no. I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't paid since September, since everything went on, and I thought it'd be the right thing to do, but it's not. The modal the modality don't deserve to be hit because of one guy that's coming to the club and just doesn't deserve to be there. We, we, what happened with Anbol 
with Huesca playing his heart out with all of those players in handball, that is Sporting Club Portugal. And that they need to be supported. We need to give the support that we gave all these years for the football team. We need to give it to, to them and to all of the other modalidades. Agreed. I like that. I like that. So, Patrick, well, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. I think um, uh, sometimes we need to um, remember what our position in this um, in this organization is and that is to be the supporters and we're there to support um and that, that even goes for football sometimes you, you see fans who go out there and um you know they demand to be entertained and sometimes um players require a lot more than just abuse from the stands or whatever they they need your support for for the full duration of 90 minutes because a lot of things go in, the, in an athlete's head um both uh, like psychologically um, we we essentially we're, we're there to support. So um, um, you know, why, why do anything else? The times for protests and all that. I think we can all find <clears> times um, in between games and exhibitions and to, to voice our our discontent. Um, but uh, the main thing I think for us is to to be there for the players, um, many of which um, aren't to blame at all for for the situation that. Um, the club may find itself in. Um, that goes for the footballers, for the players of futsal, handball, um, what have you. Um, you know what they need is essentially our support, and, and um, we need to make sure that um, sporting. You know, the the the, the easy thing for some fans. Uh, to think of is Varandas is coming now. We're going back to the Gordinho Lopes wage, which was obviously terrible. It could have ended the club. Um, and although I can understand the sentiment that some fans don't want to be a part of that and they want to disengage with the club com- completely because that's not the club they identify themselves with. On another hand, by going to games, be it football, handball, and, and, and giving your support uh, to the club, that's really one of the only salvations that the club has. So um, ultimately, just remember your place, remember who you love, and that's Sporting, and Sporting is the club that needs um, our support. Agreed. So, Chris, you're the last one, so tell me how you feel about it. Is that the solution, giving up on our club? Uh, I understand the frustration from from uh, the Sporting East, especially from, uh, from uh, Portugal, the ones that live it, like every day, they go to all the games and stuff like that. But re- realistically thinking, when you sit down and, and you take a deep breath and, and you think about it and you say, wow, my, str- my club is struggling. If I give up on my club because I'm so pissed with this goddamn president, do, are you helping out or you're fucking the club even more? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that it only, it only makes it worse. Um, uh, I'd, I'll personally, I'll never uh, abandon the club. I'll never turn my back to the club. Uh, I'll never stop watching. Um, you know, even for fucking seventh place again. Um, you know, I'm never gonna tune it out. Uh, I, I don't actually. I don't know what the hell I'd do with my life, honestly, if I did that. Um, uh, you know, I think that it's also important. Um, something to remember um, that. Uh, you know, I, I understand that the financial situation, um, you know, it, it's not the greatest. Um, but in theory, 
us fans, we still run the club. We elect a president. We pay our dues and we have the right to choose our leader. Obviously, I think that we fucked it up and I think that the system is a little bit messed up. Um, and, um, you know, with, uh, with older people having more of a say. Um, but I think that one, one of the things that Valendez promised us um, and we really, really, really need to hold him to this is electronic voting um, so that we can all vote at these assembly generals, um, not only elections, but when we're voting to whether or not to kick Brun Carvalho out of the club, things like that. Um, I think that only giving 4,000 sporting fans who live in Lisbon and don't have work or other prior conflicts says on such big decisions um, is, is difficult to support a system like that. But in theory, we, we still have the power. We still have the vote to, to choose things like this. If we just had a rich Saudi sugar daddy who was the owner of the, the majority of the shares of the club and he just called the shots, I mean, he ran the club into the ground. We wouldn't have a say because he would be doing with everything that he wanted, whatever the fuck he wanted. So, um, you know, we still, no matter what, will always own uh, the majority of the club. Um, and uh, I think that we should all stay engaged and I think we should all vote, hopefully with the ability to do that coming soon. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm never going to turn my back on this club. Okay, good. So a couple final notes and then uh, we'll go for the predictions of uh, the Sporting Portimonense and we'll wrap it up. So uh, a couple final notes. Um, I don't know if you guys know if uh, B uh, Burund Carvalho appeals his, uh, his suspension as a socio, uh, he'll, in 30 days they'll have uh, a uh, AG, Massemblée Geral, and then they will decide if uh, that, uh, that, that will be his, a, a suspension or not. For the time being, if, if he does appeal, the suspension will be suspended. So he won't be suspended. So it's something for you guys to know. Uh, everybody to know, actually. Uh, actually, um, what Chris just said, do you think in the future uh, we might see Sporting giving in and say, hey, let's look into having a sugar daddy, like, like you said, Chris, and buying off the club and... Uh, do you think that's a possibility really fast without taking too much time, uh, Kevin? If there's an offer, um, can't say that it's a good idea to take it. Can't say that it'd be a bad idea, but if we're so much in debt, like Varanda says, and there's an offer, then there's no reason why we shouldn't try it. Sporting is a very historic club, as we all know, but... Look at the teams of today, like uh, Manchester City. Ten years ago, where were they? Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester yeah, United. Of course. Yeah. And look where Sporting is now. We're about to be take. Braga is about to take over our position if we're not careful. No, Braga. Braga. We can, Braga, we Braga, can... Braga, Braga you, you'll have to. You'll have to. You'll have to die and and be born again to catch we, us. We, we're, talking we're talking in football. No, yes, in, yes. In the club Braga, size, Braga, they'll Braga, never no. be they'll never be better than what what it is or Bovista or whatever. Kevin, in the club Braga, size, they don't have hands. Braga is eighty two years old. They've never been champion of Portugal. I think it is. So, 
But if well, you're not careful, if you can the, source of, the source of the income, the main source of income comes from the football club. And if Braga finishes further ahead of Sporting, we take a hit. Which is the reality. Yeah, but finishing so, finishing third or fourth or fifth, it doesn't matter really. I mean, to me, if we finish fourth or third, it's the same to me. I want to be champion. I don't care if we finish third or fourth. And that, it makes no difference. When the owners come in and change the club around and invest, and the clubs like PSG, uh, Manchester City, and Gunners, whoever else, they turn into com- real competitors. Which is what sporting needs to be with a club of this size, with fans like we've got, and so with you, the double so dubs that we have. So you're in favor. I'm in favor. Okay. What about you, Patrick? Are you in favor or against it? Um, I can. I'm neither or, to be honest, because as the thing is with owners is that you have to be super careful because it can go one of two ways. You can obviously get an owner who's very. Uh, invested in your project, as you say, like PSGs, like Manchester City's, like Chelsea's, um, even Monaco's. Um, you know, these are people that are, are invested in the project and they want their team to do well or, or in whatever it is that they do. But then for every, you know, for every Roman Abramovich and, and what have you, there's other owners uh, dotted around the world who... who quite famously have massive rifts with the fan base because they do this and do that um, and they promise lots of money one season and the next season it's just mass disinvestment um, you know you can look at clubs like Cardiff City clubs like Malaga um, uh, Sunderland Newcastle, Newcastle Sunderland Blackpool um, you know Blackpool like, uh, were a Premier League like, club uh, like Bermad Bermad and Ferenc exactly it's um you know, you have to be careful because sometimes you can obviously land yourself um, in a worse position. If that was to happen to Sporting, Sporting would be even worse off than they are now. And here we are, proud to say that the club is ours as fans. Um, but, you know, again, you have to think about the prospect, I guess. Um, if we have a, a rich owner who's willing to invest organically, um, into the club and and put a good framework in place and that's very positive not only will uh, Sporting become a stronger team domestically and have a superior superiority over its rivals unless they go the same way um, but also Sporting are theoretically more prepared for bigger tasks such as making a splash in the Champions League or in the Europa League going further in those sorts of competitions which you know, a club like Porto, like Sporting, like Benfica, they have to aspire to do. You know, we're the, we're, we're, we are the the flags of the, of Portuguese football. Um, and what's happening right now is that the PSGs and the Manchester Cities and uh, the Liverpools, Real Madrid's, Barcelona's, you know, they've left us behind. And there's a massive gulf between Portuguese clubs and, and those uh, right there. Um, if we ever hope to one day catch up, I, f- I think logically um, that the best thing for Portuguese clubs to do would would be to turn to um, a big owner. Uh, but as I said, that there there are risks um, to doing that. Sometimes you get an owner that you really uh, wish you never had. It's it's a bit like uh, the presidents that we elect. The only difference is that. 
the president only lasts about four or five years. So about you, Chris, really fast. So uh, what do you what do you think? You yeah. think you think a, 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 a rich owner would solve all of our problems? Do you think in the future that's a possibility? Uh, you know, I think that if something like that were to happen, um, I think that. It leads me back to the whole thing. Like I, I think that the the system that we have in place needs to remain intact of the fans owning the club. If a decision like that were to be made, obviously it should be put up to vote, and everyone who is a saucer should be able to vote. Not four thousand fans who live in Lisbon, you know. Um, exactly. So yeah. if, if we're going to do something like that, it's not just Verandas snapping his fingers and saying, oh, yeah, some uh, Angolan uh, oil tycoon now uh, owns uh, 70% of the shares of the club. I mean, th th that can't happen. Um, you know, we, we, we already, we're not, we're not in a situation that's, I mean, so dissimilar. I mean, Alvaro Sobrino owns a third of the shares of the club. Um, but I think that no matter what, we have to keep 51%. I, I, I mean, I, I, obviously, great things happen, bad things happen. Um, but no matter if you have an owner like that, uh, when the bad things happen, it, it's a, I think it's honestly a worse situation than uh, in three years when Verandas is up for vote again. We can realize our mistake and we can try someone else. It's not, oh, now the club actually literally has no money because this guy said he was going to invest all this and then he just used it as a, a way to get tax breaks or hide his money and he didn't actually care about the team because he's some – Saudi guy and he doesn't give a fuck about sporting. He didn't even know what it was a year ago, you know. So it, it, I, I honestly don't support it. Obviously, if someone wants to invest uh, and buy up, you know, a third of the shares or 40% of the shares, something like that, I mean, that's something we could definitely look at. Um, but obviously, no matter what, I think we need to have a, a vote on it. We should all be able to vote on it. And the current system that we have in place, although it doesn't always get the results that we want as far as the people that end up and the – Uh, whether or not we're going to do this with a vote or not, whether this guy's going to get kicked out, whether we're going to, um, you know, sell this amount of shares or whatever. I, I think that the current, you know, the format uh, needs to stay. The Saucers need to remain in control of the club. Well, I'm just going to give my two cents as well, and then we'll go to the uh, uh, Sporting Portimonense prediction. So I think that uh, uh, the, the, um, the thinking of having one owner will never happen. Uh, not only Sporting, but Portugal itself is very traditional, and they, they will never let it happen. Um, um, and then, second, but not uh, last, but not least, I I agree with Chris. The election method should be electronic, and they should revamp the whole system. I do not, and I'll say it again: I do not agree. Just because you've been a sorcerer for twenty some years, that your vote counts for twenty votes. I don't agree on that. You you should be given certain perks. I agree with that because you've been loyal to your club. You know, you should be able to get a a golden box, a game box, or a better deal. I agree with that. Give little perks, but not on the votes. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's it's uh, it's uh, something of the Stone Age that someone that's been in the club for. 25 years, his vote is more than mine that I've been associated only for six years. Uh, Benedetti won on, on, on the uh, fan base. He had more fans voting for him than Verandas. Verandas won on the vote on the vote itself. Benedetti won on the fans themselves. And that bothers me. 
Because if Bernadette was the president now, I think we, me personally, I think we would be in better shape. Will we know? No. But uh, three years from now, when Valendez is out of the club, I don't think he'll win the next elections. He'll, I don't think so. Uh, now, uh, Kevin, Sporting Portimonense. Um, should be an interesting game to say the least. I'm saying two 0 to Sporting. We're gonna we're gonna come back with a bang. Who scores? I say uh, Bruno Fernandes one, Rafinha the other. Okay, interesting. Uh, Patrick, I'm gonna go with two 0 as well. Um, I fancy a goal from DRB uh, and let's say Bastos meets the goals again. Okay, and uh, Chris. Um, I think we win uh, one nothing. Um, I think it's going to be a game similar uh, to the Maritimu game. Uh, we're going to sweat it out to the end. Um, but, I mean, obviously we dropped points to them uh, before. They took points from Benfica as well. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a club that isn't exactly, uh, you know, fighting for Europe or anything. It's a team that we should beat, especially uh, at home. Um, and I think uh, the goal comes uh, from a corner kick, Goat. It's been a while. Okay, good. Header. Be, yeah, that sounds good. And I think it'll be 2-1 because, uh, you know, we love suffering, so 2-1. And I think it'll be um, a goal from uh, – Goat can play. He got a red card. Matthew, he's going to play then. He'll score yeah, the header. Yeah. Corner kick. Set piece. We're not going to score from open play. Yeah. <laughs> I think Maciej will score and, uh, and Bas Dost. And uh, that's it. 2-1 for Sporting because Portimonese, they lost their best player, Nakajima. They sold him, remember? Yeah. So that's, that's, why th that's why I think we win. We are very optimistic considering <laughs> what happened the last two games. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, so that's it, guys. Anything else? Any uh, alibis? No? Yeah. Well, I mean, one more thing, just going back to uh, that current system. Just a quick point. Um, uh, with the older Saucius having more votes, um, it's just, it, it is a fundamentally stupid system. Um, and it, it's exactly how in America we ended up with Donald Trump. Um, Hillary Clinton obviously got more votes, but Donald Trump won states that uh, ended up being worth more. So voters in five states ended up deciding an election when the other person got more votes. In this case, older people ended up putting a, uh, a president in that, that uh, obviously not necessarily younger people, um, but people who have been sus for less time, which technically would usually mean that they're younger. But I mean, a 50 year old could have you know, decided to become a saucier or whatever. So not necessarily, but obviously the people that have been saucies for longer are typically older. Um, so a bunch of old people decided who our president is. And in the United States, people in five states decided who our president is. So one person, one vote. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I don't see, I think in Portugal, the, this system is being used by Sporting and I, and I believe Benfica. Uh, Porto is one vote, is one vote, and everybody else is, is the same way. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very dumb system because Bernadette would have won. Uh, the the one that the 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 youth your age because you know I'm I'm I am older than you guys. Uh, you guys voted for him. Uh, you saw something that uh, you know other people didn't see. 
So anyway, we missed out on that, and uh, I think in the long run, by Benedito staying in the back in back seat and observing the whole thing, if he, <coughs> if he decides to go again up for elections the next time, I think he'll win for sure. I have no doubts in my mind. Bruno Carvalho lost the first time, uh, but then he yeah. won the second time. So. Indeed, indeed, there's indeed. hope. There's hope. Okay, guys, so it's a wrap. Thank you so much, Kevin, for for accepting our invitation. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and uh, Chris, thank you once again. And uh, Patrick, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Viva Sporting Club Portugal. Viva Sporting.